Evening, Rue. Evening. How are you today? I'm good. With a new member of the family in the room next door. Congratulations, Nick. So little Lauren arrived, 12 days overdue. Wow. It's fun being dad to a new baby again. So we need all the all the vital statistics. Uh, how heavy was she when she was born? Everyone wants to know that. Right, so she was 4.07 kilograms. Wow. Which we round up to, say, uh, nine pounds. Nine pounds. So pretty much double Oliver's birth weight. Yeah, and still heavier than Oliver is now, five well, weeks on. Quite a long way, yeah. So we had the appointment to go in on Monday morning. Got there at about quarter past eight. Joe got strapped up to the um, heart rate monitor and things mm, like that. Yeah. Looked up. He was all sort of coming back to us when we'd gone through all of this with Toby. <laughs> yeah. Sort of remembering the whole process. Something like half ten, they decided, rather than use the pessary thing to sort of chemically stimulate labour, they decided just to break her waters. Okay. I don't want to be crude about this, but <laughs> it was. they just used a big stick. <laughs> I'm sure there is a proper name for it. But it was a stick with a slightly pointy end. Yeah. But waters were broken and that brought things on. So from waters being broken, I think, half ten, contractions started at um, about 10.45. Right. And Lauren arrived at 12.15. No. So it was a 90-minute labour. Nick, that's ridiculous. It was crazy. And... Even for a second baby, that's ridiculously fast. Yeah, and it was a, as we said, nine-pound baby, and she was facing the wrong way. She was um, back-to-back. Back-to-back, in that very, what what can I know, be very uncomfortable. Yeah, so it's the, it means the head has to pass through in the largest possible circumference. Ouch. Which, yes, um, can be less than ideal, but no, Joe did so well. And it was such a different experience because with Toby, it got to the point where they had to use the um, Vontus to pull him out. Mm. And because of that intervention, they, they got him out, cut the cord, whisked him away. Whereas this time it's us and the midwife and her assistant for the whole thing, pretty much. And it was so just relaxed and laid back. Oh, that sounds lovely. It was about as ideal as it could get. So there we are. And then... Wow. Oh, congratulations, Nick. Thank you very much, Ryan. To top it all off, it meant um, everything went so smoothly. We were back home as a family that evening. So Within the day? So you didn't spend a night in hospital? No, not a night in hospital. So, in fact, it was pretty much 11 hours door-to-door. Wow. Out of, away from home, with the grandparents looking after Toby. And listeners who've been with us since the first episode will remember that for Toby, uh, for your first baby three years ago, you yeah. were in for, it was over a week, wasn't it? Yeah, I think we were in for, I think it was seven or eight days with Toby because he had jaundice. And, um, so it was a week of just, well, sometime that in the neonatal unit, just daily, you know, lots of tests for trying to sort out the jaundice and him in the, yeah. the UV bed. But, I mean, this was complete opposite of that, which... Oh, what a difference. No, and it's good. It's It's... A lot of fun. So listeners who've been with us since the first episode will obviously want to know whether you did a hypnobirth. No, we, d- we, we did carefully consider all of the options. All of the options were on the table, I know. And we decided to stick with science. And Joe was enjoying that gas and air. I didn't take a puff. 
I know sometimes oh, dads do take a cheeky puff of the gas totally and air to try to done that if I'd had the opportunity. Part of the problem was it's a very loud thing mm. that when you draw on it, it sounded like a like mechanical lung, <laughs> <laughs> just this real wheezing noise with each big draw of breath. So I think it would have been quite obvious. Do you think the midwife would have disapproved? Probably, almost certainly. And had I tried to do it whilst Joe was in the middle of contraction, I would not have been popular. <laughs> yeah, she might have disapproved as well. Yeah. Well, you're listening to Beardy Dads. Uh, I'm Rue Reynolds, and oh gosh, and in my arms is the uh, six-week-old, slightly unhappy Oliver. And I'm Nick O'Leary, now father of two. You're proper dad now, Nick. Proper dad, yeah. So you've got a three-year-old and a four-day-old. Three-year-old boy and a. Uh, yeah, four-day-old girl downstairs. So what's it been like then? You've been you've been home for a couple of days now? We've been home three nights now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I count it in nights because obviously the nights is where that's the big disruption to your life, really, isn't it? Where <laughs> It's when you notice it the most. You maybe. notice it the most because you're now having to deal with feeds every three hours and yeah. just everything that goes with that. Yeah. And how's it all going? Are you... Are you it's going all right. Doing well. She's sleeping already. What's the what's the situation like at home? Uh, she's she sleeps, she eats, she sleeps. Yeah, that's good. She's doing what she should do. It's good, because we were in hospital for that week with Toby. I didn't get that first-hand experience of overnights for the first few days. And in fact, Joe said she's finding it much easier this time because when you're in hospital, you've got the midwives. You know, they're there to support you, but you know, if your baby needs changing or needs feeding, it's down to mm. you, the mum. Yeah. Whereas this time now, you know, I'm there in bed. If I hear the slightest squeak from her, I leap up to try and stop her waking Joe up. Joe has pointed out I'm, I'm a bit too efficient with that, and I, I leap out of bed a bit too vigorously, waking her up as I do it. But Oh, nice. Yeah, that's just... I need to work on that reflex. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... And we're trying to work out the routine of naps. So it tends to be... Because the added part we've got is Toby comes in like clockwork at 7am each morning. Right, yeah, you've got all of that to deal with as well as the baby. Yeah, so... We're sort of finding the routine of where... When he comes in, I pretty much usher him out as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Get him dressed and we both go downstairs. Yeah. And if... Lauren's up, we'll um, take her downstairs as well and just let Joe have a lie-in. Mm. And then I've tended to have a nap in the early afternoon to try and catch up on some of that sleep. So, And of course you're on paternity leave at the moment. So that's I'm on paternity leave, yeah, so I can do that at the moment. And Well, we'll see how it goes. So with all of the um, helping each other out and, as you said, leaping up to deal with Lauren and, and let Joe have some sleep... Are you finding that you're settling into a, a sort of routine of taking it in turns, particular periods during the night, or is it just as as needed? What's your what's your system? Uh, I don't think we've got it settled yet. I think it's it's it is ad hoc. If it's not a feed time, I try to make sure I'm doing all I can because obviously you know Joe doesn't have the choice when it comes to feed time as to what she can do. Yeah, if it isn't a feeding slot, then I'll try and make sure I take care of it. Right. And then um, it tends to be if it's if it turns out to be it's time for some food, then Joe will stir and she'll take over and feed. And you know, as soon as, as soon as she's feeding, then I pretty much climb back into bed and close my eyes and 
wait for the next Yelp for me to do something. Mm. Um, yeah. In the first couple of weeks, we got into a nice routine where we had a hairband, a black hairband, that we would take it in turns to wear around our wrist. And if you had the hairband, it meant you were on duty. Right. Um, so it was like a, a signifier, a, a totem for you, know, you, you being the one that was on call. I found it very helpful to have a physical thing that mm-hmm. you could check because if it was on my wrist and I woke up and I woke up, you know, hearing a, a baby crying in the distance or, or uh, at the other end of the bed, then I would know that it was my turn because it was on my wrist and there was none of that um, anxiety of, oh, is, is she getting up? Should I get up? Yeah. For the first few days, we were both on edge all the time and by knowing that, you know, one of us was responsible, you know, had the responsibility, it allowed the other one to sleep. Um, and then every three hours, you know, off, after the next feed, we would we'd swap over. Mm. Um, and it was like a relay race. It was like every, the, the moments when <laughs> right. we saw each other was often passing the baton, passing the hairband to yeah. each other. Um, like, I like the sound of that. I think we're just, at the moment, still in that stage of just trying to adjust, work out what, what she needs, work out what the pattern is at all, let alone mm. how we then might alternate or do, yeah. might manage it. And while you're both off, you've got that freedom to just be... Yeah, you know, if, if it comes to it, you can be both awake all the way through the night if you really need to. Yeah, that's it. Except we do have that. Yeah, we do have that fact. We know that Toby, he has a lovely night's sleep. He gets his <laughs> twelve hours in, and then he's um, all active. <laughs> yeah, and then he needs entertaining because we don't want him to be sidelined. Then yeah, you know, every day this week I've taken him out. We've gone and done stuff just to help him burn off some energy out of the house hmm. and give Joe a chance to have some space and quiet and as a very active and bright little three-year-old how's toby getting on with his baby sister he's doing really well i think he's um yeah we weren't entirely sure how much he understood about everything and and he was i think he was fascinated slightly bemused but Mm -hmm. fascinated by it and came and said hello and yeah it was really brilliant really sweet the gauge gap between him and her is about the same as between me and my brother and my mum takes great delight in reminding me that I was quite boisterous with Sam when he was born. And when he was in his bouncy chair to begin with, I would bounce it up and down you know, <laughs> to its fullest extent and was constantly sort of leaning on him and pushing on him and playing from, from a very, from her point of view, very scarily young age. Yeah. Is, is he like that at all? Is, is he very physical with her or is he leaving her her own space? What's, what's that He like? tends to leave, leave her to her own space, but he does come up to sort of say hello and give her a stroke and you know we we are still having to be quite firm with him to you know be gentle and mm. um you know don't stroke the face or you know, at least do this you know the head's fine or the cheek but you know don't don't run your hand down across her eyes and mouth you know that's um, <laughs> and just being gentle not be, not sort of pushing and pressing um mm. <laughs> He's helping with his pronouns because he always <laughs> he always gets his he's she's her him's all of those mixed up. Right. So um, it's a useful educational exercise for him to finally sort out his personal pronouns. That's great. Baby dads. Well, we've had lots of correspondence again this week, Nick. Excellent. The Twitterers have been a buzz, and the emails as well, uh, and. Uh, might as well say early on that uh, if you want to get in touch, uh, podcast at beardydads.co.uk is, is, is uh, a nice reach to do that. 
Dave George has been in touch, uh, and he says um, that you probably noticed, as well as the name tag that they put on the babies, they also have a security tag to stop unscrupulous people taking them home, like bottles of whiskey at Tesco, he says. And normally they take these off before the babies go home. In our case, somehow the tag ended up in the bag of our daughter's belongings. When we tried to leave, doors slammed, alarms went off, and staff appeared from all over the place. It was both reassuring that they have the system in place, but awkward, as unlike Tesco, I don't remember being issued <laughs> with a receipt. This idea of a security tag is fascinating to me. What, what was it like in your hospital? Because in, in ours, we definitely didn't have a RFID security tag thing around his... Around no, his certainly not for Lauren this week, and I, we didn't for Toby either. So we had a name tag on each leg. Um, they, so they put a tag, one on each leg, so that if one drops off, there's still a tag there. And it's going to be unlikely that both will drop off. That's a good bit of redundancy. Yeah. Um, and certainly whilst we were in with Toby, um, the midwives came around and sort of... They did... I wouldn't say locked locked the ward down, but there's a sudden burst of activity as the midwives checked every baby in every bed because I think a name tag had come off. So even though it was just one name tag, or a baby had been found with a name tag missing, or it was something like that, and the midwives instantly just did an audit of every baby in the ward. Oh, wow. Just to make did sure. a sweep to make sure. Yeah. Brilliant. So we had a name tag which was handwritten and had... Rachel's surname didn't have Oliver's first name, but it had M-I, which I've always assumed stands for male infant, but right. I would love somebody to correct me if I'm wrong about that. Um, so that was on one ankle. On the other ankle, we had a little red bracelet, which was printed with a QR code, which I still have yet to scan to see what it says, but I assume it's a unique identifier of him. And they would use that when they were doing blood tests um, to tie the records that they were taking um, back to his identity. But there was definitely not a security tag. Mm. And I asked Dave, over email, I asked him whether he could describe it. And he said it was something like what they would put on a bottle of spirits in a supermarket. Uh, he said it was light grey and rectangular or blocky. Right. Um, and he said this was in the, in the neonatal ward. Um, and he said if you put it on the baby's foot, it was about half the size of a foot. Wow. So, yeah, that sounds fascinating. In Southampton... Um, there was a clever system for getting babies out securely, which is that you don't take a baby out of the ward on your own, mm -hmm. uh, and they will only... Uh, there's a fairly eagle-eyed reception staff that would keep an eye on the doors. Yeah. And when we left, it was with a nurse, you know, op opening the door for us and letting us out, which I think is a good system. Yeah. Because if you're in the ward, then you're in the ward and, and the babies don't leave the room. Um, Certainly our midwife saw us not just off the sort of the secure door of the ward, but down the lift and out the front door. So, you know, completely out of the building. Wow. Did they take you all the way to the car? Because I know some parents have, have said that the hospital are very keen to make sure that you've got a car seat fitted and that he's properly put in and, and everything's all safe and the hunky-dory. Did they go that far? They didn't go as far as the car, but suddenly, again, with Toby, I brought the car seat in and I, you know, I suspect they were keeping a close eye as we were putting them in just to make sure they were getting strapped in properly to the car seat. But uh, no, they didn't. They didn't take us all the way to the car. Um, I did feel slightly as though I was being tested, or, or that I had to pass the test. Yeah. So we've had a, a contribution this week in the form of a question from Dave Hughes. Hi, Ruin Nick. Loving the podcast. Really, really useful. Mind of information for us dads to be. Um, 
This week, I'd like to contribute my thoughts on dating scans, uh, something we, we did. This is our first baby that's due in about six weeks' time. Uh, we got to seven weeks, I think it was, into the pregnancy, and uh, we decided we'd have a private dating scan, mainly to make sure that everything was in the right place, a bit of peace of mind, but also just to check that our dates were correct. And it was conducted by a uh, consultant who works the NHS but also has a private uh, scanning practice of his own uh, where they offer this service to anyone who wants to pay a, a fee, pretty modest fee really for it. Um, so yeah, I was just wondering, had anyone else had any experience of using a private service for dating scans maybe prior to 12 week or between 12 weeks and 40 weeks? Also, had anyone uh, indulged in the 3D or I think 4D scans you can have done now of your baby and all its glory in the womb? Uh, any thoughts you have or any experiences would be interestingly received and I look forward to the next episode. Thanks. We did, in our second scan, have quite a laid-back time with it. I think we were in there for nearly an hour and that was that was rather nice. And subsequently I've heard other people talk about having a, um, a private scan um, and some people talking about it as like a sort of a getting acquainted session where you spend some time you know, getting getting to know your baby a bit more and, and not feeling rushed. And our second one was, was very much like that, um, even though it was just the standard, you know, scan to check lengths of, of legs and all mm. that sort of thing. We did have a 3D scan as part of that, and foolishly I, I forgot to ask for a copy of the files. Um, so we had some wow. nice nice images from it, yep. but I didn't... Uh, yeah, it was crazy not to, not to take a... Um, I was going to say a disc, a floppy disc. <laughs> I had to take a floppy disc with me and given it to them to put in their computer. That would have been exactly the way of doing it, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, it's funny. I I'd, I'd not really heard of or considered the this idea of going, you know, paying for a private scan in addition to the the two you get for free. Um, <laughs> but of course, these days you you have to pay for the photos. But well, we didn't actually. You didn't. I think we got very lucky. And of course the whole 3D 4D scans of the baby in the womb. I mean that's that's fascinating. I think even in the 3 years between Toby and Lauren's scans the machines has got better just 2D and it was so much crisper and to compare mm. the photos much crisper. Um Potty would love to have seen a 3D. Um, but of course now you can actually get once you've got your 3D scan you can get your feet as 3D printed. Have you seen this? Oh, indeed. Yeah, it's there are people offering it as a service, but if if you got the um, the model, then you could do what you wanted with it yourself as well, couldn't you? You could. So um, if you can get hold of that 3D model, then well, what would you do? I mean, so there is this company, um, I will link to them in the show notes, 3dbabies.com. <laughs> for eight, Something for the mental piece. Yeah, for $800, you can have a... What? $800, you can have a life-size 3D print your baby as they are at 20 as weeks as they are at whenever you've had the scan done goodness me and that's probably the most disgusting thing I can imagine you'd kind of think yes why would you want that on your mantelpiece they're not even that attractive <laughs> I, I suppose in the time between you know while you're pregnant and you haven't yet got the baby out maybe having a, a physical thing that you can poke and, and look at might be a nice thing but it, it never appealed to me at all I, I certainly wasn't in the mood for having a like a, a physical representation no. of an unborn baby in my house. No, but of course, because we didn't want to know the sex of either of them. Right. So, for the twenty-week scan, both times, you know, we 
chose not to look too carefully. So yeah, you would have had to censor any three D model before you yeah. before you printed it. For you just do, Speaking of which, yeah. I've been meaning to ask you, Nick. Um, you in a previous episode, you hinted that you might have seen or not seen something, and you think you had a bit of an idea, and you weren't you weren't going to share it with us. Um, how how was it um, in how your, did it go in your scan? Did you did you think you saw something, or, or did you think you didn't see something? So I I remember having a conversation, perhaps even with you, Rue, that one of the things to look for in the scan are um, not necessarily to look for a willy, but if you look for two slight, slightly brighter dots, peanuts, um, that they're the testes. And I remember, again, not wanting to look too quick, I've got this vision, I can picture these two brighter dots on the scan. And I, at the time okay. I suddenly thought, oh, was that... That what could be balls? Could, that could be the balls, um, but equally it, it might not be. So I, I was I was never um, convinced. I knew, mm. and clearly I was wrong because they absolutely were not a pair of little testicles. <laughs> There's no testicles on your little girl. Absolutely not. So wow. Yeah, the phrases that I've I've heard are the the hot dog and the hamburger. Right. Um, and so I, I guess it's possible that a symmetrical little shape, you know, a couple, couple of little, little nodgly things might very well mm. not be testicles, but might be, you know, lady parts. See, there's now part of me, I want to, can I reverse engineer it? Can I go back and look at the scan photos and try and spot some evidence? Or, yeah, if if we had a video of that scan to actually get, mm. because the moving image, even though it's still 2D, you get much better depth perception because it's a makes a big difference, doesn't yeah. it? A bit of movement, you can see it all that much more clearly. Yeah. So neither of us did private scans or three D, four D scans, but I guess if any of our listeners have, we'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, yes, I want to hear if you did a three D scan and got hold of the the model. Did you do anything with it? Has anyone had a baby printed? Because that's still freaking me out, even just thinking about it. Yeah. And your experiences with scans generally, I guess. What was uh, what was it like for you? Um, what's the average price these days for getting a photo? Do you remember what yours were like? Was it like a, a pound a time? Or I remember it just gone up horrendously. Mm-hmm. It it had been like five pounds for three. What? Um, but it had gone up to something like twelve pounds for three. That's ridiculous. And she accidentally printed four. She kind of made a big deal how she was letting us off. Well, I think in both of our scans, so we had you have one. At, was it ten weeks, twelve weeks? Twelve weeks and twenty. Yeah, and in both of them, they were just print, pressing the print button like there was no tomorrow. I think we had at least six, maybe as many as eight photos in in both sessions, and yeah, no no money changed hands for those. That was uh, now, now I look back on it, that was uh, I think we were very lucky. Yeah. Yes, let us know uh, what it was like for you. Other people have been in touch, Nick. We've had uh, we've had some feedback. Yes. So I. We got had a lovely tweet from Aaron Ashmore saying how his wife's six months pregnant and the podcast has been so useful to, to him. And he said it's taught him more than any book has. Aaron, I'd just like to <laughs> really say, <laughs> you need to find some better books. There are plenty of really good books. I, I wouldn't be using us as the basis of all of the stuff you choose to learn about becoming a dad. Best of luck yeah, with it. There's three more months to go for you, but really there are some very good books out there yeah and if we're not recommending them that's one of the signs that this is not the best advice podcast in the world we've had a couple more reviews from uh itunes oh, as well, brilliant. and as promised uh we will we will read them out 
Um, I'll read the first one, which is from uh, a person calling themselves Ken Forcer. Um, so hello, Ken, if your name is Ken. Uh, Mr. Mr. Enforcer, if it's not. Uh, Ken Forcer was, was uh, kind enough to leave us a five-star review. Uh, it was t- entitled, uh, From a Dad to Be Who's Never Been in the Same Room as a Baby. He says, Really intuitive podcasts, especially for fathers-to-be like me, who have no experience with babies, never changed nappy in their life. This show is a real eye-opener to what to expect, with some excellent tips and advice that I'm hoping I'll put into practice when the little one arrives. They've also reminded me that listening to hip-hop and rap music may not be such a good idea when I become a father. I mean, that's it, really. I think... In part, this is you know, community self-help. Um, also, those who are new dads to be, and I hope hope we can give them that flavour of what they've, they've set themselves in store for. <laughs> All the fun to to be. Had. So we had another another review from um, Aaron in Torquay, entitled "Compelling!" Exclamation mark. Five stars. Another five star review. Lovely. Thanks. Thanks, Aaron. He says, "If you don't think that your fan base could get much more diverse." Here I am to prove you wrong. I'm 15 and obviously not a father, 15. yet I can't seem to stop listening to your parental ramblings each week. This has spurred me onto the idea of fatherhood in a good 10 years' time. Well, if you're only 15, Aaron, I would say it might be more than 10 years' time. It could be, and don't rush. Don't rush. There is no rush. Um, <laughs> but, you know, good use of the word ramblings. I think that, that, that sums us up here. Yeah, don't, don't rush, Aaron. You've got plenty of time. I think I was... 35 when I became a dad and you, you were probably nearly that Nick you're not quite as old as me. <laughs> not quite but I think it's it's really good to at such a such a young age to such a tender such age a tender age to half our age to be yeah taking some of these things seriously um yeah I'm, I'm impressed that the youth are doing this I remember what I was doing at 15 and it wasn't nearly as educational as listening to some old men talk about their kids that's uh good on you don't don't stab anyone <laughs> in your hoodie. <laughs> no, no knifings, please. And if you want to get your review read out, just leave one. Yeah. And uh, you can get in touch on Twitter. We are at Beardy Dads, uh, spelt as you would expect. And we're uh, on the emails at podcast at beardydads.co.uk. And you can send an email. Even better, you can do what a few people have already done and send us an audio recording of yourself talking to us, maybe answering one of the many things that we've posed one of the many things that we've been confused about. Yep. Or asking a question, uh, as has happened earlier in this episode. Yeah. Or even just, you know, your anecdotes, your, your tales of, of fun with your kids. Um, tips for new fathers are especially appreciated. Yeah. Right now, tips for, for people with two kids and, you know, how you cope with that. <laughs> that, that. If, you, if, you, in fact, you could just email those to me directly as soon as possible. <laughs> um, yes, please. Yeah, dealing with a three-year-old and a... You know, brand new one, a newborn. That's got to be fun. It is going to be fun. Yes. Speaking of tips, I've got a tip for yep. you. Yeah. What's your tip? Uh, my tip is, if you're going to have a baby, um, have lots of friends who've recently had babies, uh, and they'll give you all the all the castoffs, all the clothes that their babies have grown out of. It's great. It saves you an absolute fortune. It certainly helps when uh, said friends have a baby that's nine pounds, <laughs> and instantly outgrown all of the newborn stuff you had. Handy. Yeah. So yeah, thanks for that. You're welcome, Rue. I hope Oliver. I hope they fit Oliver better than they fitted Lauren. Baby dads. Last week, Nick, I asked both you and our lovely listeners what everyone thought about dummies, and it became quite real for us this week. Mm. The whole dummy question really came into quite sharp focus. It was in fact last night. Got to three a.m. He'd been not sleeping. He'd been awake 
uh, since about nine, I think, maybe ten. Feeding, very miserable, very unhappy, trying everything, trying, you know, trying to burp him. Yeah. Trying to, you know, let him, oh gosh, all the things, you know, everything that we knew how to do and it wasn't working. And at 3 a.m. We, we were both so tired and so just worn down by it all that Rachel decided that the, the thing to try was to get the dummy. And so we popped it in his mouth and after an initial slightly disgusted turning up his nose at it and dropping it immediately out of his mouth, she, she tried again. Second time around, he took to it quite quickly and uh, spent the next couple of hours just you know quietly quietly sucking away at it, uh, fell asleep quite quickly, made not a sound for three <laughs> hours straight. So um, we're going to see how it goes tonight, but I fear that the uh, the baby crack of dummies is uh, worryingly effective in, in his case. I think we'll probably try and, and uh, keep it down to a minimum um, and only do it if we absolutely need to, mm. rather than rather than doing it as you know a sort of nightly ritual or anything like that. But yes, we, we caved. Well, they are, uh, you yeah. know, a tool in your toolbox, shall we say, for for how to just deal with everything you've got to cope with. And um, I'm, I'm. Whilst we didn't have to use one with Toby, in fact, we we tried, we did, I think, have a night much like you did, and we tried, and but Toby just didn't, was not interested. Um, we'll wait and see what happens with Lauren. I know some babies from a very young age get into sucking their fingers and thumbs, mm. and Oliver will definitely, when he's hungry, he'll definitely, you know, stick his hand in his mouth <laughs> yeah. and try and suck on it. But um, yeah, he's he's not got into the sort of self-soothing by by sucking a thumb yet. I wonder whether that's something that people have to deal with, and and do you decide whether you sort of let them get on with it or pull it out to avoid the habit from forming? Is that is that something you've ever had to deal with? Um, Toby was never a big thumb sucker. Uh, certainly, Lauren is. Well, it's it's uh, too early to say what habits she's forming, but <laughs> she's only a few days old. Yeah, she, she certainly does. When she finds her hand, that does settle her a little bit for a little while. Yeah, it's interesting. We'll, we'll wait and see what happens. But again, we'd love to hear if anyone else has got any experiences, what they do. Is the dummy the salvation to get through the night you need? Uh, and if, if you have used dummies uh, and then decided to, to wean them off after a few months, how did that go? Was it a difficult thing to do? Well, Ru, it's been great talking to you this week. I wasn't certain I'd be here, but we are. Yes, another week, another episode. Well done, Nick, and congratulations again. Thanks, Ru, and, uh, well... We'll speak to you all next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.